Hey everybody, welcome to the Anthony and Todd Show. I'm your host, Trevor. And I'm Vincent. And uh, we're out here with another part in our Anthony and Todd Show uh, interview series. Uh, This is brought to you by contributions to your PBS station from viewers like you. Thank you. Uh, We're talking here with uh, Nico Sanchez, better known as Clefto. He is a Bellingham, Washington producer, uh, beat maker, uh, and also... Uh, the creator of the Black Noise record label uh, coming out of Bellingham. How you doing today, Nico? I'm doing good, man. Thanks for having me. Excellent. Yeah, thanks for being on the show. We really appreciate you. Uh, fans of the show will know that we um, interviewed another member of the Black Noise family, Slap Seraph, uh, a couple of months ago. Uh, we talked to him about his voice inside the music record, um, and he specifically mentioned Clefto uh, a couple of times during the interview about how uh, he has started this label, and we thought, what a better person to interview than the founder himself. Uh, so, like I said, we're out here with Nico. We're going to be talking to him about all sorts of different stuff regarding his music and his label and uh, the Bellingham, Washington music scene. And not to mention the new album that the label just put out, uh, Black Noise Presents Family Affair. Yes, sir. Yes, uh, with some incredible album artwork. So, Nico, uh, let's let's just dive right into this. We, we ask every... Um, Every person that's on our show, the same beginning question. How did you get into music? How did you fall in love with the art form? Man, well, it's a loaded question, but I mean, I think I just always loved music throughout my life. And I think it was like a mutual understanding of my parents that I loved music. I mean, they were never really musicians, um, but they were huge appreciators of music. And my grandfather was too. So, um, you know, at the age of six or seven, they ended up buying me buying me guitar, and I think it was just inevitable that that's that's what I ended up doing. Excellent. So you mentioned your guitar here. How does that kind of translate into the kind of music that you're making now? Well, I mean, it's kind of unrelated, but um, guitar and bass are definitely like the first things that got me into playing music. I started off as a guitar player and played guitar for probably about five or six years, and then kind of made a transition to playing bass guitar. And, um, I actually started making beats just out of necessity. I was in bands in high school. And then once we all went our separate ways to go to college, I felt like it was, it was good for me to take up something that I could do on my own without relying on on other people. And I always loved hip hop. So making beats was just like a new, a new avenue for me to explore and try and become better in. I gotcha. Yeah. Do you still play guitar? Occasionally. My skills are pretty rusty now, but I, I more so play bass now. It accompanies like my my compositions and stuff, but not a lot of guitar these days anymore. Although I wish I'd kept at it because I think I could have been pretty decent if I if I'd continued playing. But it's never too late, I guess. Never too late, yeah. Yeah. Um. So, how did you first get started with beat making? Then, uh, what kind of software did you use? Like, was it kind of rough going starting out? Yeah. I mean, I first got an MPC one thousand. I, I had this like half stack. I had like a. PV6505 head, which is like a metal core, like metal amplifier for guitars. And I was just kind of like moving out of that phase. So I ended up selling that and I got an MPC 1000 from, uh, from guitar center. And then that's kind of what kickstarted my, my beat making career. I was, I was basically just like hard hardware from the jump. Very good. How long have you been uh, doing that? 
Uh, probably about, I think about 10 years now at this point I've been making beats. Uh, did you ever put any of that early stuff out on the internet or do you just kind of keep it to yourself now? Oh, for sure. The early stuff is out there, but I think it's been deleted long since, but yeah, my first alias was Imperial, Imperial Beats and I was like just making beats in the basement of my parents' house essentially, but, um, yeah, those were my, those were my humble beginnings. Stuff that I probably don't want people to hear now, but you know. I yeah, I find most artists are kind of that way. <laughs> How did you get the name Klefto? Where did that come from? Uh, I mean, the idea behind it was just kind of taking taking something and turning it into my own. So, you know, in music notation, there's bass clef and treble clef, and then uh, yeah, just being a kleptomaniac, just kind of taking taking stuff, taking samples taking stuff from soul music from jazz music and just kind of turning it into into my own interpretation of it okay yeah yeah that makes a lot of sense now that's that's very interesting yeah i really like that actually that's that's very smart (laughs) oh thanks i actually i actually really dislike that that alias but you know it's it's what i've been rolling with so i i would have just been keeping it going you know why do you dislike it i think i just thought of it a long time ago and i don't necessarily resonate with it as much anymore but you know, at the end of the day, I think what's important is the music, so. That's fair. Uh, what would you change your name to if you could? Yeah, that's the thing. I haven't really thought of anything better, so. Uh, I'm kind of into, into the idea of doing just, like, multiple different alias, aliases, you know, like the MF Doom sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. I was about to say kind of like a Doom moniker. I get you. Um, so, your first release, Melodramatic, would you consider that to be, like, your debut album, or would you, I don't know, do you feel like that's the first thing that you are, like, proud of making? Definitely, yeah. I uh, uh, up until then, I was just uploading a bunch of stuff on SoundCloud, and I, I you know, I, I had a, I had a collection of beats that weren't really like anything, like a whole project or anything. Uh, so, I just felt compelled to put them all together, and that's a, that's accumulation of like three or four years of of stuff that I felt like I was making, you know, when I really had developed my sound. So. You've you've talked about developing your sound a couple of times already. Um, what do you consider to be like your calling card? What what is your signature sound? I mean, I think my signature sound is just sample oriented, bass heavy hip hop beats. Um, I like flipping acapellas a lot of the times too. Like, I love the juxtaposition of like like a Gucci man acapella over like a fusion jazz, like a Hubert Laws sample or just like something that's completely like left field of that. I, I just love that juxtaposition. So that's kind of what the idea behind melodramatic was, was like a juxtaposition between like funk soul and jazz samples and just like hyphy hip hop acapellas, you know? I gotcha. Yeah. Uh, listening to that project a couple of times, I've really uh, noticed that there doesn't seem to be anything that you're afraid to sample, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Is there is there anything that you tend to shy away from or is anything fair game? I mean, anything's fair game, anything that kind of resonates and I and I'm vibing with at the moment. I'll use I get you. How do you uh, feel like you get to know your samples? I, I mean, I, I currently work at a record store. I've been shopping for records for probably as long as I've been making beats. I think I think that's one of the things that attracted me to be making culture was just like DJing and records and old soul and funk um, was always kind of a draw for me. So I think 99% of the time it's at the record store. You know, the other, the other 1%, or I guess it's grown over the past few years, um, but the other percentage of it has just been online. 
there's so much stuff online too that I feel like I find these days as well. Yeah. Do you uh, sample directly from the record or do you find that you can get pretty good recordings on, on YouTube or whatever? Ideally I try and I try and sample from the record as much as possible, but I mean, I don't shy away from YouTube. I don't shy away from Spotify. I kind of just use whatever source is, is available. That's uh, probably the most thrifty way to do it. I know that back like when sampling first uh, kind of came onto the scene, they had like the golden rules of, of sampling. You never sample from anything but uh, just straight vinyl. But I know that right. those rules have been bent quite a bit as we've uh, moved forward with technology and recording. For sure, yeah. And just like the idea that it's kind of corny to reuse samples that other people have used before. I think, you know, I think those ideas serve their time and purpose, but it's definitely changed a lot since then. Do you ever find anything too mainstream to sample? Yeah. I mean, my sampling usually falls within like the jazz fusion jazz genre or like funk and soul genre. It's usually like seventies or eighties music. Um, I don't really. I I find that I don't really sample too much outside of that, but um, I don't know. It it varies from time to time. Uh, what artists are you into right now? Like, what are you vibing with currently? Man, um, I mean, everyone on the Black Noise crew for sure. It's I think it's a huge reason as to why I started it, just because all of those people are my friends and peers, but they're also just huge inspirations and influences to me. So, mm-hmm. you know, Slap Seraph, Nautilus, Estimate ideaism all the homies um i love this beat maker obliv he's a huge influence to me um knowledge obviously is huge i've been uh i've been listening to a lot of chick korea recently because i love chick korea oh yeah because he he just passed yeah so i've been listening going back to a lot of the early chick korea stuff that i really like a lot of a lot of vinyl a lot of like 70s jazz stuff lately too like i love hubert laws It's, it's a mixed bag do you uh, find that the the rise in sample culture and beat making culture has kind of driven up the prices of the records that you could originally get for pretty cheap, or do you still find it that way? Yeah, most definitely. I mean, I I, have, I get a huge benefit working at the store, um, working at a record store in particular. Like, I get a pretty healthy employee discount, and not to mention I get like first pick of stuff that comes through Bellingham. So I'm super grateful for that whole aspect of it, where I feel like I've gotten vinyl for so cheap over the past few years but i mean the sample culture has definitely driven the prices up whether it be sampling or just collecting i think people are just buying more now so obviously in turn the prices go up a little bit what's the uh what's the coolest find that you've gotten recently man i don't know there's there's so many i i i love the group people under the stairs and one of their founding members double k just passed passed recently yeah and they reissued ost which i'd been looking for for years the an original goes for like 80 to 100 bucks so i got a reissue of that and I, I think i'm like i'm set for a while how many records are in your collection man too much honestly <laughs> <laughs> yeah like some of these big collectors like i don't even know where you'd store all those you know what i mean <laughs> right i mean i have you know like one of those collax ikea shelves it's yeah, one of those like yeah. cubes i i have like a four by four one full of those, um, full of records, and then a two by four one full as well. So about one and oh a half God. of those. One and a half IKEA shelves full. I got gotcha. you. Yeah, one and a half <laughs> IKEA shelves. I think it's around like 
I don't know, three, 4,000 if I had to guess, but yeah, I've just been, I've been collecting for 10 years. So it's definitely, it's kind of excessive. My girlfriend definitely doesn't love it, but you know, it is what it is. We, the things we do for music. Uh, yes, that's true. <laughs> uh, so you've mentioned black noise a couple of times here. Um, how did you get to meet all these different artists? I actually met a lot of them through the school I went to, Western Washington University. That's where I met kind of like the, the foundation of, of what the label became. So I met my good friend, Matt Doval, who goes by Estimate. He's a rapper, beat maker, um, originally from the Seattle or from the Spokane area, but living in Seattle now. And then I met a good friend, Daniil, who goes by Ideism, super talented keyboardist and producer. And then... Also, I met my friend Troy Bowman, who goes by Nautilus, super talented bassist and beatmaker as well. But um, yeah, I think those were those were like the first like-minded individuals that I met at Western, and we all just were making so much music at the time and throwing shows together that I thought it was only right to like put a name behind it and and become a unit, you know? Yeah, how'd you settle on the name Black Noise? Honestly, I can't can't really put my finger on it. It just it just rolled off the tongue nicely, so I just ran with it. Did you study music at Western? I studied audio engineering. I, I took an audio engineering minor, and then I did uh, like a business major as well. So small amount of music, engineering, studio work, not necessarily like playing music. Okay, yeah. So that business degree has come in handy with the the label, correct? Yeah, more or less. I still feel like I'm learning things on a day-to-day basis and still trying to figure things out, but it's given, it's, it's put me in the right direction. You know, it kind of lines me up with what I want to do. Are you still looking for like members? Are you still looking for talent for black noise? Yeah, definitely. I mean, the roster I think is always evolving. It just is based on, you know, what, what's appropriate. Gotcha. Yeah. What do you look for in recruits? I mean, I think in general, just like the same, same kind of sound. Uh, a lot of it's like sample based hip hop, doesn't necessarily have to be sample based but i think music can come from that ideology even if it isn't like sample based it can kind of still represent that you know um i just love old school music um any anybody that i think meshes with the group like personality wise i think we all have to get along as friends first and foremost before we can uh be label mates you know yeah yeah i get you I know that you've opened for Thundercat and The Far Side and Solation, um, some pretty big names thrown around there. How did you, uh, well, t- can you tell us about that a little bit? Yeah, totally. I mean, those were all three super bizarre experiences for me, but I think, I, you know, a lot of it, I think I just ended up right place, right time. I think I was making a lot of music in Bellingham, and uh, I think I was just continuously working towards, like, opening up for bigger acts. I two friends of mine or actually three friends of mine ended up booking the acts for the Thundercat show. So I fell into that through knowing uh, the booking agents, but I was just befriending people at local venues, like going to shows that I enjoyed or just trying to get in with a group of people that were throwing these shows or kind of like booking these shows. So I, I was playing shows pretty frequently at the wild Buffalo, which is where I ended up opening it for selection and the far side. Yeah. And it was just kind of like, by getting my name out there and continuously playing shows in Bellingham, just kind of working my way up towards it, you know? Gotcha. Yeah. Uh, what do you feel like people need to know about the Bellingham music scene? Do you feel like it's underrated? Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't, 
necessarily know if I would say it's underrated. I think the Bellingham music scene is an interesting place. I, I think when I first moved here, especially when I was making music with, you know, Estimate, Nautilus, and Ideism, I really feel like there was like such a vibrant culture of beat makers and musicians. As, you know, in regards to hip hop, I think it was really kind of popping off around that time. But uh, I know for obvious reasons it's dwindled now, but I feel like even before COVID, the scene was kind of dwindling for the, for the past, like, I don't know, six months to a year. So it used to be more than it is now. Yeah, I would say so. I mean, I think COVID has obviously caused that to happen, but I think a lot of different factors caused that to happen too. Like, I personally think there's a huge lack of diversity in Bellingham. So I think that kind of like lends to the music scene or like takes from it, I guess you could say, but... I think diversity is hugely important in art um, and music, and I think Bellingham is severely lacking that, so I think it kind of hurts the scene at times. Uh, do you feel like the city's growing, or is it kind of dwindling away as well? Yeah, I do feel like the city is growing. I mean, there's definitely development happening. I think kind of more money is, being, is, is, uh, is gravitating towards Bellingham. I think a lot of it's due to a lot of people leaving Seattle and places like L.A. and California. Maybe people are moving further up north. Just trying to go all the way and see how close they could get to the border, but... I guess, yeah. <laughs> yeah you guys are pretty close, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm like, I'm like 30 minutes from the Canadian border, so I'm, I'm basically basically right there in Canada. You're, you're basically Canadian. Yeah. <laughs> Almost. Just about. Uh, Melodramatic, I saw, was put on vinyl pretty recently, correct? Yeah, actually, I put it out... Uh, yeah, I pressed up vinyl just to try and release it like alongside with the digital release. It was my uh-huh. it was my first it was my debut release, so you know it it had always been a dream of mine to to do vinyl. So I just figured now is the perfect time. I'm just going to do it all at once and just see what happens. You said it was a dream come true. Obviously, I'm sure seeing your music up on your wall or 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 in your favorite art form or whatever is is pretty neat to to experience. Do you have any snags in that? in that process of pressing the vinyl? Oh yeah, most definitely. I mean, it was a huge learning process. I'm not, I'm not a designer by any means. So I think a lot of like the digital, like uh, a lot of the images or like album artwork that I sent them was less than ideal. It was probably not formatted correctly. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was, it was far more expensive than I anticipated. I mean, just paying for mastering was like almost half the cost. And there were so many factors that I was unaware of that, that went into it but you know at the end of the day i'm i'm super glad that i did it because you know i i I got a better idea of what it requires and you know what to be prepared for next time but yeah it it was a huge learning process for sure um i think if if anyone else is going to follow through with that i would just say you know save up ample amount of money and just be able to account for the time because it took it took over six months for me to receive a record in hand. So, now let's talk about this uh, family affair compilation a little bit. How did that process go of of making a compilation come about? That's your your first label comp, correct? Right. Yeah. Totally. How was it trying to get everybody on the same page? It seemed like there are quite a few artists on there to to round up and you know get get good recordings for. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, luckily, I think. Everybody that I got tracks from, I'm, I'm like personally pretty close with. And that was my goal behind the compilation tape was to make it a compilation tape that was actually between people that are like from the Washington area to kind of to represent music from this general area. Because I think 
a lot of times compilation tapes are just like a culmination of a bunch of tr different tracks from a bunch of random people around the world, which is super cool, you know, but I, I think I wanted to represent something differently with the label. So it, I think it more or less it was people that I was generally pretty close with. And these people are always making music anyway. So it wasn't really difficult to get like one track out of them. It was just, uh, it was a process to get it all together and get the artwork together and like get the cassette tapes all right. So I think that was more of a burden than getting music out of people because I mean, these people are all so active already that they, they're already sitting on so much shit that it was not difficult for them to send me something, you know? Right. Yeah. Why did you go with the cassette format? It's just cheaper. It's more affordable. I mean, if I could do records every time, I totally would, but cassettes are just way cheaper. Do you collect cassettes as well? Here and there, I have a few cassettes, but not nearly as much as I collect records. I, I thought of the cereal box idea. I thought conceptually that'd be a really cool thing for a cassette tape, so I thought it would be appropriate. I'm like, you know, I have this idea. Let's make a compilation tape for it, and yeah, cassette would work out perfectly, so. It does look very aesthetically pleasing. I, I like the way that it turned out quite a bit. Uh, what other comps do you enjoy? Like, what other what other label comps have you enjoyed in the past? I know Fat Beats was doing this thing. It wasn't necessarily a label comp, but they were kind of, like, displaying a different producer each month. Um, okay. I forgot what it was called, but it, it was super cool. Um, I know Stone's Throw did, like, a compilation LP that I really enjoyed. I'm a huge Stone's Throw fan i mean i think you could probably assume that by just looking at our label i think a lot of what we do is kind of like draws inspiration from that or is, is based off that but i'm a huge stones throw fan um there are just so many like independent tape labels that are putting out so much amazing music that i mean there's just so many comps over the past 10 years that are just incredible um that it's really hard for me to put my name on like I, I really like Radio Juicy, too. They really do cool stuff. Yeah, there's just so many to name, honestly. It really has been a, a breath of fresh air to hear Ural's comp. Um, some of these that have released in the past couple of years have just been really, I think, poor quality. Like, bigger labels, obviously. Like, I think, like, uh, the good music, Cruel Summer tape is awful. Oh, <laughs> like, I, actually, uh, I don't think I've listened to it, actually. Did yeah. they put out a new one? No, that was like from uh, probably 2012. Yeah, Vincent. yeah, around that. Oh, right. So it's been a while. The silver yeah. one or so? yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They just feel like they lack a lot of uh, cohesion, I guess. But also, uh, what was the other one that I was mentioning? Dreamville. Dreamville, yeah, Dreamville from a couple years ago. Not nearly as bad, but um, still, I just feel like a lot of these compilations lack like a lot of cohesion, like these bigger artists are afraid to put their best tracks forward onto the label comp because they want to save it for their own album or whatever. Was that a problem that you felt like you ran into or was everybody kind of just a team player about it? I mean, I personally thought the, the tracks that everybody sent me were, were super awesome. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think every artist has that internal struggle. Like it's hard to send somebody else your best work because you want it for your own stuff. But I, I mean, for me personally, I feel like, I'm, I just make a lot of music and some of it, like even if I do make a beat that I really enjoy, it might not be appropriate for like this particular release I'm doing. It just doesn't kind of fit the, fit the atmosphere of it. So I, I enjoyed the track that I put towards the tape, but I didn't really see it going towards like any of my own independent works. It just, 
it just kind of sounded like a one-off single that I kind of wanted to get out there. So I thought it was appropriate for the tape. And I feel like that's how a lot of other people felt about their tracks too. Like I know for the Hunter Gillum and Ideasm track, it was, it, it had been a track that they were working on for a while. Um, and Ideasm was just unsure of what he was going to do with it. So I'm like, you should put that shit on the tape, man. It's fucking, it's one of my favorite ones on there. So I'm glad he did. Yeah. Yeah. A big fan of that one. Uh, Slap told us that he'd been sitting on his track for like three years. Oh, and for then, sure. Yeah. Send it to you. <laughs> right. That's probably how a lot of compilation tapes end up happening. It's just like material that people have been sitting on and, and they don't know what to do with it. You know, uh, you told us a little bit earlier that you've been streaming on Twitch lately. How's that been going for you? Yeah, it's been going good. Um, it's definitely been a learning process for me as well. I I recently bought like a little mini PC, so I have like a dual PC setup going. And I'm not I'm not like a tech person by any means, so it's definitely a learning process for me. But it's been fun to have another avenue to to delve deeper into, and I just like having outlets to to learn and progress in. So so you're just making music live then. Yeah, making music live, listening to records, playing video games, trying not to do that too much, but trying to make as much music as possible. Do you feel a uh, pressure when people are watching you make music live? A little bit. I also think it's kind of like a fire under my ass to to make some shit that's halfway decent, you know? I think if people are watching me, I'm more inclined to just like not fuck off and and watch random shit on YouTube. I'm more inclined to like actually make music, so Right, it kind of holds you accountable. Oh, for sure, for sure. <laughs> and I think accountability is what I need lately. I think being at home so much, I I tend to just not be productive sometimes. Yeah, that's actually a really good point. Um, with with COVID and, and everything going on, um, is it difficult to stay motivated and make music? Yeah, I mean, I'm always making music. Um, I, I try to make music on a daily basis, um, but... I don't think being at home a lot has necessarily like been daunting in terms of my music making, but I think I've just gone through a lot this year. I've lost a couple of close friends and I've just kind of like been seeing like the incompetence of how our country is run and just how people are treated. And I think mentally, I think it's just kind of been a burden on me. And I think that has been a huge factor in why I'm making less music maybe. Um, especially with the whole Black Lives Matter movement and all the social unrest, I think like a lot of it was just emotionally taxing. And I think, uh, I think that has been a huge factor in why, I don't know, I felt like I maybe needed to take a little break or hiatus from putting shit out or just, you know, working on stuff constantly. I come to realize that there are issues that, you know, need to be addressed like beforehand. Uh, mm-hmm. but yeah, it's been a combination of a lot of different things, but I'm, I feel like I've been slowly getting back into it, like slowly been getting back into my grind and uh, making music on a regular basis. That's good then. What do you do when you feel uninspired? It, it sounds like you're a little burnt out um, with the world lately. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if, I, if I'm feeling uninspired, I honestly just take a step back. I I don't really try and force myself to make music because I feel like when I do, it just sounds so forced and it doesn't, it doesn't turn out good, but I just try and take a step back, you know, whatever that may be, whether it's just not making music, spending time with my girlfriend, cooking, uh, getting outside, 
like really just trying to dissociate myself from it. Uh, so Vincent wrote down a couple things in our notes. He wanted to do some word association with with some of the Black Noise members. So I guess whenever we say the say the member's name, we want to know like what comes to mind. Let's do it. All right. So first up, uh, we got we got estimate. Estimate. Oh man. Uh, what do I say about estimate? I mean, he's such a good friend of mine. What? Do I- this is just a one word association. I guess I'm kind of rambling. It doesn't. It doesn't have to be. I would <laughs> say driven. He's he's just such a driven motherfucker, and he's like so convicted in his own ways. I like. Uh, I have so much admiration for him. He he's like so driven in his lane, and he's he's got such a unique thing going. It's like so him. You know, it's perfect. Yeah. Uh, we got Nautilus. Nautilus. Uh, man. Just hardworking he's the kind of dude that will just like put his head down do the work kind of fall off the map not really talk to anybody for a long period of time and then just come out with the craziest shit so i would just say maybe maybe a little bit reclusive but yeah definitely hardworking for sure i got you we got our boy slap man slap i think a wealth of knowledge and and uh i also think slap is a very driven person like when, whenever Slap and I try and work collaboratively, he's always just in the box, like putting in the work, doing so many things on the computer in such a short period of time. I'm, it's just mind boggling to me. Oh, we got ideism. Ideism, man. I think a, a true student of the game. Um, also super inspirational. He's, he's such a great keyboard player and he's so studious. He's like always taking the steps to become a better artist and a better musician. And yeah, he's just a, a real student. Very good. Uh, we got the rhetorician. Rhetorician. Oh man. He has this lyric that says his peers would describe him as hard to miss him. And I think that's a perfect way of describing him. He's just hard to miss. He's like, he's, he uh, has such a great energy and yeah, I think it's just contagious. I follow him on Instagram. That dude's wild. He's that always doing insane. crazy stuff. <laughs> oh, for sure. He'll come over at my house and just be like, yeah, I was just uh, submerging myself in the ocean for 30 minutes this morning. Like, in- <laughs> I'm like, what the fuck is wrong with you? I feel like that's all I see him do is like <laughs> sink in the water. He's always wearing those like big goggles. Oh, what for a, sure. What a funny dude. He's either in the ocean or in a floating tank. He's he's purely on his own trip you know he lives in his own <laughs> world and it's it's amazing uh last up we got pajama sam pajama sam you know i don't personally know pajama sam that well he lives in texas but oh really yeah i think we had just been friends on instagram for a few years and he he buys and sell he resells clothing and he's got like the illest wardrobe so i would just say stylish he's got the illest wardrobe and i really love his music it's it's kind of like collage sample style super reminiscent of like quasimodo or like mf doom um so i love his music for that but i think overall he he just has impeccable style gotcha yeah he uh he was one of the most surprising acts here on the on the uh black noise comp i that track anita part one was crazy his like collage style like i couldn't I listened to it so many times. I was like, I can't wrap my head around how many things he's uh, sampling and stealing from here to to put in his own track. It was just a just a really cool moment. And it's so amazing, like the concept of that track, where he's just like 
I don't drink the beer because the bud makes you wiser or something. Yeah, yeah. Who the fuck said, dude? That is amazing. <laughs> Incredible. <laughs> so good. <laughs> he had the Simpsons sample. He did the KMD sample from Peach Fuzz. Like, just right. such a good, just such a cool track, cool concept. Yeah, uh, yeah I, I totally I, agree. I thought that he was also from the area. Yeah, he's from Texas. I don't personally know him, but I'd love to meet him one day. I've been recruiting like a couple of people from outside of Washington State, Pajama Sam being one of them. And Hio, uh, who is actually from Atlanta, Georgia, he had a track on the compilation tape as well. And I think he's the only he's the only un-Washingtonian that's on this on this tape, other than Pajama Sam. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. No, that makes a lot of sense, though. Because I was going to say I'd never heard of them. Uh, how did you guys make this? Uh, what or I guess what inspired you to make this like trailer, the the serial trailer, and then the one of the guy in the car and everybody's you know, listening to his music out of his car speakers. Yeah. I think conceptually I just had that cereal box idea for the longest time. And I just, I, I brought it to my friend, Bud Bloom, who is like a super talented visual artist. Um, and he ended up doing the artwork for it, but we just ended up doing the tapes first. And I thought conceptually like an old school cereal promotional ad would be so perfect for it. So, uh, my buddy Connor, who, who runs walking distance media and did all the videos for it kind of helped me bring that to fruition. Um, and then the other two, the other two promotional videos that we had were kind of ideas that he had and he kind of just ran with. Um, but yeah, it was, it was just a combination of both of our ideas. I, I thought of the first promotional ad and he, he executed it so perfectly. And then he made those other two just off his own ideas. Nice. Nice. Uh, last question here. What can we expect from Klefto in the future? What's next on the What's next on the table here? Man, I, I'm going to be just trying to make a lot more music. Definitely trying to put out another record this year. I'm um, going to be twitching a lot of music. Twitching a lot. Um, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. Not literally, but, you know. <laughs> I'm going to be streaming on Twitch and just trying to be a productive member of society, you know. Um, I, I still think there's huge importance to, to bringing like to bringing minority art to the forefront. Uh, people of color, I think deserve more recognition, especially, you know, black Americans for, for what they've done in American music and American history. I think that they deserve more recognition and that they deserve, uh, you know, just ample payout and, and reparations. So I think just trying to, trying to diversify the community and bring more of that light into Bellingham. But um, yeah, just trying to work on my own self and my own music too. Very good. All right. That is, uh, that is it for our interview with Nico, AKA Klepto uh, here to play us out. We've got Klepto's latest track slow scene. Uh, that was on the black noise uh, label comp family affair. You can check that out on uh, Bandcamp or Spotify. Um, We'll, we'll link it below in the description. Also, check out his Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash Beats. He's going to be doing all sorts of great stuff on there. He's going to be watching random shit on YouTube. <laughs> yes, sir. Hopefully. Hopefully not too much of that, but yeah. More likely. Yeah. Thank you.
you for listening to this episode if you want to follow the anthony and todd show on social media you can find us at anthony and todd on facebook instagram and twitter you can find us on spotify apple Podcasts, google play Podcasts, and spotify again i guess <laughs> by searching the anthony and todd show in your favorite podcast browser you can support us monetarily by going to patreon.com forward slash the anthony and todd show and if you want to watch the video version of this podcast go to youtube.com forward slash the anthony and todd show until next time guys i've been vincent i'm trevor and see you boyos goodbye everybody